This podcast is a production of Faith Living Church. If you like what you hear, join us for church sometime in our Plantsville, Connecticut location, Saturdays, 6 p.m., or Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., or online anytime at faithlivingchurch.com. You choose whether you, you know, you live in the hope zone. And hope is what so many people have lost and they, they've missed and it greatly impacts their lives. You know, the scripture tells us in Hebrews, without faith it's impossible to please God, without faith. And Jesus is always saying in, in, in his word, he says, you know, hey, this happened because of your faith, because of your, your faith. You know, your faith has made you whole. Your faith, your faith, your faith. And he tells us in Hebrews 11, 1, he says, faith is the substance. You can get a hold of it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. And the biblical definition of hope, y'all remember, is a confident expectation for the future. So faith is a substance of things hoped for, that confident expectation for the future. And he tells us, and that's really the definition of faith. Faith is the confident expectation for the future. So when you pray and you have a confident expectation for the future, because this whole worldly definition of hope is, well, I hope you do good on your test tomorrow. Or I hope everything works out okay. But there's more negative in it than there is positive. But the biblical definition is faith is the substance of things hoped for. And hope is what? A confident expectation for the future. And we're looking toward the future with confidence, with an expectation. And so this is always a choice. We choose to live in the hope zone. Or we choose to be out here in despair. We, we choose to be hopeless. But it is a choice that we can make every day of our life. Without Christ, there is only despair which means there's no hope. A fearful dreading of the future is what's left there. And there are no hopeless situations. There are no hopeless situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. It's a choice that we make. And I, I choose to live in the hope zone with a confident expectation uh, for after church today and for this evening and tonight and, and have a confident expectation for tomorrow and the next day and the next day and the next week and the next month, the next year. Uh, we can choose to have a confident expectation when we pray uh, about anything that's going on in our life. That's what faith really is. It's a confident expectation that the best is yet to come. That's just the way it is. Let's look at, if we could, to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were apart. Can you imagine what it would be like to live apart from Christ, have no relationship, you know, not to understand and know what he's done for us? In those days you were living apart from Christ. You were excluded from God's people, Israel. And you did not know the promises God had made to them. You, you, you didn't know the promises. You lived in this world without God and without hope. Without God, you will be without hope. But with God, 
You can choose. <laughs> I have hope. I'm living in the hope zone. That's where I have a confident expectation for the future, for my life, for those men, women, boys, and girls who are in the sphere of my influence. And there in Psalm 78, verse 1, it says, Oh, my people, listen to my instructions. Open your ears to what I am saying. For I will speak to you in a parable. I will teach you hidden lessons from our past. He's going to teach us hidden lessons from the past? Stories we have heard and known. Stories our ancestors handed down to us. Stories. These hidden secrets, if you would, are passed down. These stories that are life-changing, that produce faith, producing a confident expectation for the future. We will not hide these truths from our children. No, we're not going to hide them from our children. We will tell the next generation. Yes, we will. About the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. wonders. God's mighty wonders. Isn't that something that's wonderful when you're living for God? And when God's on the move, it makes you wonder about his goodness and his greatness, his majesticness. It's interesting that in... In the day that we're living, though, that there are people that would like to cancel out his story. You know, they would like to cancel out history and God's fingerprints in the founding of our nation. And Don't want your children to know. But you know what? He tells us we don't hide these truths from our children. To tell the we next tell generation. We tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord, about his power and his mighty wonders. And there's a reason behind it as we'll read on. For he issued his laws to Jacob. He gave his instructions to Israel. He commanded our ancestors to teach them to their children so the next generation might know them, even the children not yet born. God cares about the children not yet born. That's right. And they in turn will teach their own children. So each generation should set its hope anew on God. Each generation should set its what? Hope anew. Its hope anew on God with a confident expectation that God's going to do what he said he's going to do. God is faithful 100% so we can be hopeful. Full. Not hopeless. But we can be full of hope. And, and our, our hope can run over because we're hopeful. And that's what God that's what he sent his son Jesus here for. Let's read that. So each generation should set its hope anew on God, not forgetting his glorious miracles and obeying his commands. And so, then one of the most powerful little, little snippets that God gives us in this one little verse, and if you don't know it, it's one that you hide in your heart right away. It's in Jeremiah 29, 11. Powerful verse here. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Uh, who's saying this? God. The Lord. God says, I know the plans I have for you. God knows the plans he has for each one of you guys. He says he, he knows what they are. They are plans for good and not disaster to give you a future and a hope. God never plans for you to be out here in disaster zone. God created you to live in the hope zone, but it's your choice to be hopeful, to have a confident expectation for the future, that's what God wants for us all, you know. 
A Nashville newspaper once published a story about a woman named Hope Phillips who rescued a man from the Wolf River Harbor near Memphis. What was her name? Hope Phillips. Hope, yeah. Hope and her husband and son were sitting in their car one Sunday afternoon when she saw a man drive his car into the chilly waters. As his vehicle began to sink, he climbed up on top of it. She recalled that the desperate look on his face seemed to say, please help me. Hope jumped out of her car. Did you know that Hope jumps to our rescue? Hope jumped out of her car, ran into the water, and swam toward the man who was about 25 feet from the bank. Using a tree limb, she pulled him toward the bank, and her husband helped drag him out of the water. All the while, the man kept saying he wasn't worth saving. It turned out the man was a student at the University of Tennessee, about to give up on life. When he asked her her name, she replied, Hope. With a relieved look on his face, he asked her name again, and again she answered, Hope. By then, the police had arrived, and the student was taken to a regional medical center. We can, have, we can live 40 days without food, eight days without water, four minutes without air, but only a few seconds without hope. We need hope. And in the last couple of years, there's a lot of people, it, it become very obvious. They became hopeless. But God offers hope, a living hope, because of the resurrection. He offers us a living hope. And it's a situation where we make a choice. I'm going to live in the hope zone. I'm going to live with the confident expectation for the future. No matter what's going on in the world around about us, I choose to live in the hope zone. I'm not going to live out here with uh, distress and disaster and discouragement and all those things, I choose to be hopeful and have a confident expectation for the future. If you're a man or you're a woman of faith, that's what you'll do because faith is the substance of things hoped for. And hope is a confident expectation for the future. It's not just a positive attitude. It's, it's a faith-filled, hopeful expectation because of the promises that we read and we see in his word. It produces that hopefulness in our lives. In uh, Romans, let me see, would you finish that right there? Hope helps us hang on, especially at times when we feel we're at the end of our rope. When the world around us is is shattered by death, disaster, or disease, we can still have hope. Romans chapter 15, verse 13, it says, Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, that you may abound in hope. Abound? This is talking about having an abundance. You know, more than you need, more than enough, more to share with other people, to abound in, in hope. An abundance of hope. That's what God wants us to do, to be so hopeful, you know, that we just abound in hope. That you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 4.13 says, And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died, so you will not grieve. Or now, now, what he's talking about here, he says he wants us to know, God wants us to know 
what has happened to those who have died, believing. So you won't grieve, or many translations say, so you won't sorrow as other people sorrow. We sorrow and we grieve. We genuinely do. But we sorrow and we grieve different from those who have no hope. Those who know Christ. You know, my dad's been with the Lord for 22 years, you know, now. And, and I miss him, you know. And he, was, he taught automotives and I'd always call him up and he'd help me fix my car, you know, and things like that. But, see, people who don't have no hope, they don't understand the resurrection, they've not partaken of that resurrection life, their, their hope is not the same. Their, their future, they feel like it's, it's a dead end street. It's like it's, it's all over with. But that's not the way it is. So the scripture says, can we read once again? And now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died. So you will not grieve like people who have no hope. We have a confident expectation. There's this fantastic, awesome family reunion coming. And we're still looking for that city whose builder and maker is God. And we are hopeful. We have a confident expectation. We will see the Almighty, you know, face to face one day. And we will be, you know, joined with all those who trusted in him in this fantastic reunion. And he says we have eternal life. That's a promise of all those who have gone on before us. The time we're here on this planet is so small in comparison to eternity. And he wants us to be hopeful and not to sorrow as if it was a dead end street. Because it's definitely not. Romans chapter 8 verse 15 in the Message Bible says, This resurrection life... Resurrection life! You know what? That's the greatest, fantastic, most wonderful holiday is the Easter season. The resurrection life. We're seeing the world around us coming alive. You know, the springtime, everything's popping with life, and we begin to understand that resurrection life that he gives unto us. This is amazing. The resurrection life. And where do we get it? This resurrection life you received from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. Timid, grave-tending life? There are some, and there are some churches who would have you just to think about the grave tending, just that Jesus died and keeping our focus on that. But that's not what God, he, want, he doesn't want us. He says, this resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave tending life. Now, many years ago, we sent a brother to uh, Sicily and uh, to start a church over there. And then myself and uh, another brother, we went there to ordain him to Sicily. So we was there for about, you know, uh, 10 days or something like that. And while we went there, uh, boy, they feed you like crazy over there. Oh, man, <laughs> I tell you. But uh, wonderful, wonderful people. But I, I discovered something. And we went there to preach one time. We ended up preaching like 10 times while we were there. And uh, the, they, they loved us. But the, the men, they were, they, they were masters with marble and stone work and all. And so many of them, we went by a cemetery, a couple of them as a matter of fact, and those men was working after they got off work. They worked on the weekends at the cemetery. They were building the place that they were going to rest one day. They had some beautiful little houses made out of marble 
and, and the, the, the detail was immaculate. And they spent hundreds upon hundreds of hours grave tending. Now, you know what? I've gone to the cemeteries quite a few times, and I've read what's on the markers and all, and I've been to where my dad is, is buried and other loved ones and all. But, you know, I go and I, I have some thoughts while I'm there, and I remember some things and all. But I'll tell you what, I never leave without looking up. Without looking up, and to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's where we put his earth suit at this point in time, you know. But to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And God does not want our focus to be on grave tending, just focusing on the dead, but focusing on that resurrection power that he's given unto us. And we're going to live with him forever, that's what he tells us. The resur- this resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant. Adventurously expectant. A confident expectation for the future. It's hopeful is what he's talking about here. I love that statement, adventurously expectant. And I've been saying it ever since I've been in ministry, and it's based upon the biblical truths, you know, the, the best is yet to come when you're living for Almighty God. The best is yet to come. Well, you don't know what happened to me yesterday, but I do know that all things work together for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. And the best is yet to come. That's just what He tells us over and over and over in His Word. That's just the truth of it. We're adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, What's What's next, next, Papa? Papa? Can you imagine that when you wake up every morning? And I know when I wake up this morning, you know, and I do it every morning, I got my little bracelet on. I usually have two of them on, and it just says all in. That's the way I wake up. I say, God, I'm all in for you today. And, and, and I'm adventurously expecting. What's next, Papa? What you got going on today? Who am I going to meet today? What are you doing today as you're moving in our life, in, in our world right now? And I said, oh, how awesome is that statement? You ever go to God that way? And this is in the Message Bible. He says that this is what we, with our childlike faith, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. Now, it's really important for you to know who you are. Now, in our world right now, there's a whole lot of people who don't know who they are. They don't know if they're a porcupine or a giraffe or a boy or a girl. They don't know if they're a possum or a kangaroo. They don't know who they are. You know, and that's what our world's trying to get us convinced. Well, you don't know who you are. You don't know what you are. And that's a lie from the pits of hell. God wants you to know who you are. Let's read that statement one more time. What's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who he is, and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. You know, not knowing who you are is one of the key components to hopelessness. You know, if you don't know who you are, and if you don't know who God is, that's a key component to hopelessness. We become hopeless, and we feel kind of like, well, there's no purpose, or why, why am I here? You know, what's life all about what's the meaning of life and all but god clarifies that in his wonderful manufacturer's handbook i call it which is the bible 
And we know we are going to get what's coming to us, an unbelievable inheritance. That's an right. unbelievable inheritance. He tells us, here, right here, he tells us about this unbelievable, but it is believable, inheritance that he promises unto us. Along with the inheritance while we're here, we have this fantastic inheritance that one day, all of those who've been trusting Christ, who pass on before us and who will pass on after us, there's going to be this fantastic reunion, and what an inheritance that is, of seeing our loved ones who've gone on before us, who will welcome us there. Fantastic. That's just what he wants us to know, and he encourages us with that. I was just thinking about that song you used to love singing about, I've got a mansion just over the hilltop. I, I, I do. Anybody else have a mansion? <laughs> I've got a mansion just over the hilltop in that bright land where we'll never grow. And one day yonder we'll never more wander but I'll walk the streets that are pure as gold. And there's some more verses to it. It's an awesome song. <laughs> That's and our inheritance, though. Yes, it is. I've got a mansion, just in case you didn't know. There's streets of gold all around, you know, but it ain't no big deal about the streets of gold. But that we'll be with Jesus and all of our loved ones who pass on before us. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly, certainly going to go through the good times with him. That's right. We're hopeful. We have a confident expectation for the future here on this old planet and for the future in the presence, visible presence of Almighty God. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Since God and has this is in the message, just I want to say that. Since God has so generously led us in on what he is doing. And that's hope. He's led us in on what he's doing. We're hopeful. We have a confident expectation for the future. We're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job. Are you? You ever just throw up your hands? Well, I, I, it didn't work out the way I thought it was. I, I'm done with it all. No, we're not going to do that. That's not what we're going to do. We're not about to throw up our hands and walk off the job just because we run into occasional hard times. We refuse to wear masks and play games. We don't maneuver and manipulate behind the scenes. And we don't twist God's word to suit ourselves. Rather, we keep everything we do and say out in the open, the whole truth on display, so that those who want to, to can see and judge for themselves in the presence of God. Verse 5. Remember, our message is not about ourselves. We're proclaiming Jesus Christ, the Master. The master. All He's our only hope. Yes, he is. All we are is messengers, errand runners from Jesus to you. It started when God said, light up the darkness. Light up the darkness. When he is in you and he truly is the light of the world, you light up the darkness. The devil tries to turn the light out. But as you and I go places and, and we are hopeful, he wants us to light up the darkness. With a smile. Have y'all tried smiling recently? Would you kind of look at your neighbor and smile one time? Woo-hoo! Man, I think you just got a little lighter in here at that moment. And the words that we say and that we encourage and we, we give hope to one another. Light up the darkness and our lives filled up with light. 
As we saw and understood God in the face of Christ, all bright and beautiful. If you only look at us, you might well miss the brightness. We carry this mess, this precious message around in the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. Wow. We carry this light around in our unadorned clay pots? Yeah, I think the King James says perishable vessels. Perishable. Now, you know what that's kind of like? Let me see. Do I have my bags here? No. My bags are not here. Where are my bags at? Probably in there. <laughs> well, they must have been perishable. <laughs> Well, see, these bags are perishable containers, just like we are. And you know what I have in here? There's a perishable container. That's like you and me. It's a perishable, and they come in all sizes. It's like when you go to the Chinese restaurant, and you take home some uh, um, fried, fried rice. rice or something. You got those little containers? You know, that's not your best china, is it, or, or silverware or nothing. That's just a perishable container. And that's what the Bible is saying we are. The treasure that God deposits in these perishable containers. We are the perishable container. But I want to tell you what, he's got an awesome container for us one day. That's what his plan is. That's to prevent anyone confusing God's incomparable power within us. As it is, there's not much chance of that. You know for yourselves that we're not much to look at. We've been surrounded and battered by troubles, but we're not demoralized. De demoralized is talking about discouraged and depressed. No, no, we're not because we are full of hope. We have a confident expectation for the future because we have hope, you know. We're not sure what to do, but we know that God knows what to do. Are, are you ever perplexed in a situation where you don't really know what to do? <laughs> but God knows. And when you go to him and you ask him to lead you and guide you, he'll show you. He'll make it clear and he'll make it plain. And you go to him and you go, well, what's next, Papa? You know, that's what we read a little bit earlier. We've been spiritually terrorized. Oppressed, persecuted. But God hasn't left our side. Therefore, we have hope. That's just the truth of it. We've been thrown down. But because we have hope, we haven't broken. We haven't broken because we have a confident expectation for the future. What they did to Jesus, they do to us. Trial and torture, mockery and murder. What Jesus did among them, he does in us. He, he lives! lives. <laughs> oh, he lives. Me. That's right. carried away sometimes. Our lives are at constant risk for Jesus' sake which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. All the more evident. It makes Jesus' life all the more visible in us. Evident, visible is what he's talking about, so he can be seen in us, in our lives. While we're going through the worst, you're getting in on the best. Because of hope, and we're hopeful. A confident expectation for the future. Verse 16, so we're not giving up. How could we, even though on the outside it often looks like things are falling apart on us, on the inside where God is making new life, 
Not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. His grace? Grace. We're going to study grace one of these days again. You know, it's talking about God's... Riches. Well, In grace. G-R-A-C-E. God's riches at Christ's expense. But there's a new, better, more clear definition of grace. And it's God's enabling power. That is more accurate definition of grace. It's God's enabling power. Whatever it is that we need to do, it's God's enabling power because of this resurrection life he has given unto us. Anyhow, he says we're getting in on the best of it, and he's talking about God is making new life. Not a day goes by without his unfolding grace, his enabling power is what he's talking about here. These hard times are small potatoes compared to the coming good times the lavish celebration prepared for us. The best is yet to come. There's far more here than meets the eye. The things we see now are here today, gone tomorrow. But the things we can't see now will last forever. And, and you know, last week we talked about the, the guy who had been tattooed, a born loser, <clears throat> and the tattoo artist said, well, the guy had a tattoo on his brain before he ever got one on his body. And then we learned about an elephant. An elephant that's 10 tons is, is often, well, 100% of the time, he is impacted by what he learned when he was 300 pounds. And they drove a stake in the ground, and they tied a rope to it around his leg, and he tried to move it thousands of times, and it got, uh, the stake got in his mind that I can never get away from this stake and this rope. And even when an uh, elephant is 10 tons, he can still be held by the same stake and the same rope that held him when he was 300 pounds because he, that's what he believes. He has no expectation of ever getting free from that little old thing that he could rip out of the ground in a heartbeat because it's, a stake is in his mind. And we need to remember that, you know. The Bible says, what's it say? Anybody know what? As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. So is he. If you think, well, the worst is yet to, the worst is yet to come. It's going to get worse. It's going to get badder. I don't know if that's proper grammar. Badder. <laughs> it's just going to get badder and badder and badder. You know, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And I'm going to tell you about this. This right here changes our thinking. It does, and we begin to think the way God wants us to think. And he uses the term, he says, to renew our minds. And he's given us what to renew our minds with. That's just the truth of it. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And if you lose hope, you lose everything. You really do, you know. This is an interesting statement I came across, and it's absolutely true. Hope is the major weapon against the suicide impulse. People have lost hope. But Christ welcomes us into the hope zone. Well, I'm going to leave these because these represent us here. I'm going to leave these perishable containers here in the hope zone where we have a confident expectation for the future. The best is yet to come. I am hope and I will not cave in and give up. It's the guy who drove his car out into the icy water. We're not going to do that. In the book of Colossians, was you going to say something, dear? <laughs> nope. Okay. 
Colossians 3, verse 1, Since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Is heaven real to you? Yes. Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits at God's right hand in the place of honor and power. Set your sights on the realities of heaven. And I know it's real and I can see it. You know, it's just absolutely amazing what God tells us. And listen to what he says here in Romans. Well, let's look at verse 2. I kind of get ahead of myself, don't I? Yep. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Let heaven fill your thoughts. Do not think only about things down here on earth. Because if all we're thinking about just earthly stuff, earthly stuff, we'll, we'll, we'll be disappointed. We really, really will. But he says, let heaven fill your thoughts. You know, what God has told us. This is, this is the book from heaven. This is a heavenly uh, you know, documentary, if you would. That's what God wants us to know and, and to think about. And he tells us here in Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't be like everybody else is. Don't do what everybody else does. He says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. What he's telling us is, don't be hopeless. Don't be hopeless. But let God transform you into, God a, transform a, us. into a new person by changing the way you think. Let him transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. You know that elephant? That elephant was thinking a lie. Oh, you're bound. You can never get away from that little stake and that rope there. And, and that stake was driven into his mind. I can never get away. He's 10 tons. He could pull it out of the ground in a heartbeat. But he had this stronghold. It was a lie. And the devil tries to get us to believe a lie. That's what he tries to do. And to make us hope less. When we are to be based on God to be hopeful. That's what he tells us, you know. Isaiah chapter 8. Oh, can we read that last oh, piece yeah. again and I'm sorry. read the whole? I'm getting ahead now. That's okay. I'll forgive you. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Then, if you let God change the way you think, then you'll get to know God's will for you. And he says it's good and pleasing and it's perfect. This is where hope comes from, from God's word. It genuinely does. Go ahead. Isaiah 8. Verse 19, so why are you trying to find out about the future by consulting mediums and psychics? Now, God's word tells us this. Why are you going to mediums and psychics? Why, why are you going and you're trying to consult the dead to find out the future? Oh, go ahead, dear. Do not listen to their whisperings and mutterings. Can the living find out the future from the dead? Why not ask your God? Because he's the one who gives us hope and a confident expectation for the future. Hebrews chapter 6. I've been trying to get to this verse for three weeks. No, actually four. Four, four this weeks. This is the fourth week. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 18. So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore... We who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence. We can have great confidence, a confident expectation 
for the future, so what he's talking about, we can have great confidence. As we hold to the hope that lies before us. Hope. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. Now hang on here. Let me see if I still have it. I put it in here a month ago. Yep. Still here. You know what this is right here? This is a lifeline. I gotta get out here over the water. What is that? An anchor. It's an anchor. And you know what? That anchor will hold you You're out in the water. And the waves are coming this way and that way and up and down. The winds are blowing, but the anchor will hold you steady. You won't be blown off course. It'll keep you in the same place. And I've lost anchors when I've been out boating before. You know, I've lost them, and then you could not stop no more. Wherever you went, you were just being pushed and, you know, battered and here and there and everywhere. But you know what happens without an anchor? We drift. We drift off course. Would you read that? That part again here, dear. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. The hope that God gives us, it anchors our soul. The hope, the confident expectation for the future, it's an anchor for our soul, for our thoughts and our emotions and our thinking faculties It anchors us down so we're not going to drift. We're not going to be double-minded and wishy-washy and here and there and up and down and all around and not knowing what in the world we think or what we believe. But it's an anchor, hope, a confident expectation for the future. Hope is an anchor for our soul. Well, last night I was here and I might have went a little bit further with my anchor down the aisle there. And you know what happened? When I did that, you might see that my rope broke. Have you ever had hope and then you lost it? Mm -hmm. Well, it's time to tie the knot back. And I put a double knot. I think I might have put bunches of knots in there. And just to make sure, I'm going to put another one in there. You know? I don't want to drift. Do you? Do you want to drift and live your life in fear and worry and anxiety? No, you want to have a confident expectation for the future. And I'm going to tell you, that anchor will hold. Well, what's that anchor made out of? Hope. He says that this anchor, this hope is a strong, trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. It says that? Yes. Can, can you hold on this second here? You want to get close to God? You want to get close to those who've gone on before you, who trusted in God? He tells us that hope anchors our soul into the very presence of Almighty God. And he says it goes past the curtain. That was like of the Holy of Holies. And so our lifeline leads into the very presence of God when we have hope. 
You're well connected in the presence of Almighty God. And you're not going to drift. When God's got a hold of that anchor over there, I'm sure he's got his foot on it, you know, so it ain't going to go nowhere. And it anchors us down. And you're sure and you're steadfast as the anchor is. You're not going to drift. You're not going to become doubtful and fearful and anxious about things. The devil will try to control us and get us to believe a lie. But hope is an anchor of our soul. I'm going to reel it in here just because I don't want you tripping over my hope on your way out. (laughs) Whoops. It's pretty strong too, ain't it? I know how to do that, I reckon. Do you have an anchor? There's a places in Niagara Falls where it's the last bridge that crosses, the walking bridge that crosses the river before it turns into the falls and goes over. And it has a sign, and it says, Do you have an anchor? And then the question is, do you know how to use it? Mm-hmm. And I'm going to tell you, do you have the anchor of your soul? It's called hope, a confident expectation for the future. Just got a couple more things to share. Oh, You don't always have to be able to see the anchor for it to work. Have you ever noticed for an anchor to work, you really can't see it? Mm-hmm. It's kind of out of sight. It's, it's like faith. You know it's there. It's holding you steady. You have a confident expectation for your future. That's just the way it is. And I'm going to tell you, God's word, when you find a church, and I'm not talking about just us, but when you find a church that teaches God's word, the church is the hope of the world. When it's representing and coming together in the name of Jesus Christ, teaching his word, building our faith, teaching us about hope, the church, nationwide, worldwide, wherever it's at, and they're teaching God's word, it really is the hope because they're representing the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, you know. We as Christians can endure anything to come. And we can overcome it victorious when we have our anchor down, when we have hope. Our hope lies not in the man that we put on the moon. That's not where our hope is at. Our hope lies not in the man that we put on a pedestal for his great scientific discoveries. Hope lies not in the man that we put over our investments and our finances. Not in the man that we, you know, put dealing cards and rolling the dice. Our hope lies not in the man that we put over our health care. Our hope lies not in the man that we put in the Oval Office. Our hope lies in the man that we put on the cross. And his name is Jesus, and he rose from the dead. And he has declared his power and that resurrection power that he grants unto all of us. That's what I'm talking about. Um, Let me just get over here because I want to share something with you before we get too far away from all this. I thought this was very interesting. So scientific experiment that was done, conducted a, a while back and a group of behavioral scientists, they put some rats in a tank of water. And the tank had smooth sides 
So they could not escape or, or they couldn't grab a hold to a rough spot and, and rest. They, they, they couldn't do that. So the scientists observed the rats to see how long they would survive before drowning. The average time was 17 minutes. The rats would tread water and try to, to get out 17 minutes before they drowned. And then they repeated the experiment, but this time they rescued the rats just before the point of drowning, and they dried them off, and they returned them to their cage, and they fed them, and they let them play for a few days. <clears throat> and then they repeated the drowning experiment. This time, the average survival time for these rats increased from 17 minutes to 36 hours. Hours? So scientists explained that, that phenomenon by pointing out that the second time around, the rats had hope. They had hope. They believed that they could survive this because they had received a helping hand before. And I'm going to tell you what, this book is just full of reminders of how God has helped others before us and how he will always help us. William Barclay wrote, A person can do anything so long as he has hope, for then he is walking not to the night, but he's walking to the dawn. What, what, would you share this? God of the second chance, Clive Calver tells the story of his mother-in-law who had Alzheimer's disease. Him and his wife were contemplating bringing her home. They went to visit not knowing if she would even recognize them. Clive told her that he would pray for her, and if she wanted, she could pray after he did. Her prayer, to his amazement, went like this. Lord, I don't know who I am. I don't know where I am. I don't know what's wrong with me, but Lord, please help me. Even in the throes of Alzheimer's, not having your mind, God is so close and so near. There, there's hope even there. She didn't know who she was, but she knew her father God, he was there. And that's what matters. That's all she knew. And she said, help me. She knew she could go to him. She had hope. And I'm going to tell you, God gives us hope. And he sent his son here to pay for our sins and then he rose from the dead in that resurrection power. He gives us hope for our future. And God has given us all these wonderful promises that encourages our hope so we can have a confident expectation for the future. When we pray for a loved one, we pray for people. And even when it comes to that time when they pass on and we've had the privilege of talking to them and leading them to Christ, we have a confident expectation. We have hope. God has given us this book called Hope. It really, it really is. And it changes our life, and hope is a choice that we're always going to make. Now, I'm just going to read this one more time. It's in Jeremiah 29, verse 11. And uh, you don't have to read it. You can just quote it, and we should all know it. But it says here in Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are Plans for good and not for disaster. A disaster at, operates out here outside of hopefulness. 
For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster to give you a future and a hope. That's what God, God's offering you an anchor. It's sure and it's steadfast. And this anchor, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's dropped down into the very presence of Almighty God. And we have this confident expectation that we're close to God. And we can feel that tug in our hearts from the Almighty God. And he keeps us from drifting off course. And he holds us steady. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Well, you know, we might be just coming to a conclusion on the hope zone. Although we can spend another couple months on the topic. But this is part four. We're talking about the hope zone, and it's a choice for every one of us, and it changes our lives when we choose to live in the hope zone. And let me remind you, which I'd said the very first day, I'd encourage you to get yourself a little carpet. It don't have to be a piece of cardboard, a piece of newspaper, a spot on the grass outside, somewhere where you're going to call, this is, this is my reminder of the hope zone. And I'm going to go there every once in a while and I'm going to deliberately step into it to remind me that it's a choice. I choose to have a confident expectation for the future. I choose to be hopeful when the devil tries to make us hopeless. And so I just have this and so I can go step on it to remind myself I'm in the hope zone. This piece of carpet has nothing to do with the hope zone other than to remind me to stay hopeful in my relationship with God and Drop anchor in the presence of Almighty God. I'd like to, uh, to pray with you, and if you would join us as we just reaffirm our faith in our Savior, Jesus Christ. So if you're online and you're watching us today or you're here in the building, if you could just pray and join us as we do. Papa God. Papa God. I believe that you love me. I believe that you love and me. And that's why you sent your son, Jesus. And that's why you sent your son, Jesus. And why you've given me hope. And why you've given me hope. Through that resurrection power. Through that resurrection power. I believe that Jesus gave his life for me. I believe that Jesus gave his life for and me. And he paid for all my sins. And he paid for all my sins. And then he rose from the dead. And then he rose from the dead. And I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart. I believe he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus. And I welcome Jesus. As my Savior. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my Lord. And as my soon coming King. And as my soon coming King. Restore unto me, Almighty God. Restore unto me, Almighty God. Hope. Hope. And may hope. And may hope. Be my anchor. Be my anchor. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.